Hello and welcome to the Broadcast Sport Podcast. In this episode, Max Miller talks to the Douglas Brothers about their documentary, Ronaldinho, The Happiest Man in the World. Welcome to the Broadcast Sport Podcast. Today I'm talking to Stuart and Andrew Douglas about their latest creation, a documentary following Ronaldinho's life. The film is about Ronnie. It's about Ronaldinho. It's kind of also about his brother. It's about Roberto. The two are the two are pretty much inseparable. And uh, Roberto's story really feeds heavily into Ronaldinho's story. So for two brothers telling the story of two brothers, and it developed as we went along, we found that pretty fascinating. Yeah, definitely the way it tied into what his family life as a whole, the life uh, at the beginning, kind of dealing with the loss of their father and then his brother's career and so on. So when we started, Stuart is still an Arsenal season ticket holder, even though he now lives in America. And, um, you know, I kind of moved away from football, except except through Stuart with Arsenal and our older brother through Tottenham. So I still um, I still get up early on a Saturday. When the project came in, I said, well, really, do we not want to do, you know, why Ronaldinho? Why Ronaldinho? And Stuart said, because Ronaldinho is Jimi Hendrix. You know, just think Jimi Hendrix. And and I said, explain. He said, well, he's kind of a virtuoso. He's a solo guitarist. He does things for the crowd. He's a performer. And it just got super interesting. And um, so we, so I, I was in at that point because, um, you know, just it was such a great way to think about this character. And uh, and that really that early notion of the performer really informs our story. The, the other thing that was interesting that Stuart told me is that there was always this kind of unsolved mystery of how Ronaldinho could c- go through the rankings and arrive at one or two seasons where he was just the best in the world. Like clearly everybody knew he was the best in the world. And then he hits this one moment at a World Cup quarterfinal, comes up against the, the French team and, um, and, and then everything falls away and he, he struggles he struggles for the next two seasons in Barcelona. He struggles in football in general. I mean, he has, he still has some, like his bad day is better than most other footballers' good days. So, you know, he does well at, at Milan and then he goes, so he still has good days, but he was never quite, you know, as great as he was. And, and this and this was a, a mystery. And, and Stuart and I, having told me that, you know, Stuart and I decided that we would try and, and, uh, and, and find that story and really explore that story. And, and we kind of knew instinctively that he might not be able to tell us it, but by talking to everybody who was in their life, you know, filling in the negative space, we might be able to to find a solution to that. And, and that was really our hook. Is that fair enough, Stuart? Yeah, pretty, pretty much it. I mean, there was a, there was definitely a, a mystery. I mean, when he, when he came back from that World Cup, it's not like he was suddenly a, a bad player. You know, he still scored 20-something goals. He still had amazing assists. Um, but it wasn't the same. It just wasn't the same. And uh, and we wanted to know why. And as Andrew says, you know, Ronnie probably, maybe even to this day, doesn't himself really know why. Uh, the film tries to shine a light on on the possibilities around that. It's very much designed as a... Um, not as an insider story, but as a human story. You know, we felt that, you know, it's hard to not be influenced by 
uh, Asif Kapadia's films and um, you know Senna was bewildering because um, you know I, I, I didn't then watch Formula One I, I now do because of that TV show but I didn't then watch it and um, and yet it was such a human story a much emotional story that so that was very much our kind of ambition for this film that it would satisfy insiders but it would also um, you know it would also satisfy emotionally satisfy uh, people outside of football you gained some pretty good access with his family with his friends advisors so on and also in terms of the footballing world which i'd assume is helped by being associated with fifa but um was it difficult to get them to open up in that way especially like his brother and him talking about the relationships they had with their family was it something they were open to from the beginning and came to you with did it take some convincing i guess to put all that out in the public as with any of these things it, it's it's hard to you know you walk into someone's life and we say you know you say can we see all your dirty washing tell us all the secrets you know what's what's all the what's all the shit we want to know and people can't do that so you have to you have to earn some trust ronnie is actually you know in total contrast to him on the pitch he's he's very shy uh, he's a very shy character. He has, uh, you know, three modes: uh, playing football or footvolley, uh, playing music, and being shy. Um, so we had to we had to get to uh, and and Roberto was um, Roberto was magnificent actually. Um, you can you can see that Roberto is the is the is the driving force behind the whole family. Although although Daisy, the sister, uh, who plays a quieter role, is really uh is really strong as well and uh uh miguelina the mother who, who sadly died just after we made the film was a was a strong was a strong mum after dad died um but roberto was roberto was the one who had the plan you know you saw in the film his career i mean at that at that time they were talking about roberto's being the next maradona he was that good in brazil so that was just you know, he did his ACL and then that was just gone. So he had this other plan and uh, he was, Roberto was really good. One of the reasons to interview them both together was to uh, help relax Ronnie and bring him out of, bring him out of that shell a little bit. And Roberto was, was really helpful that he was great. It really came across to the way that he looks up to his older brother as well and sees him as yeah. kind of his guide through a lot of it. Also the there's so much amazing archive footage of him throughout his career it comes across balance kind of half and half but how did you decide on that rather than just kind of being a show reel of his best moments almost both andrew and i and then when we when we went in with the the editor andrew cross as well we were all so aware of the the greatest hits that's out there on youtube you know you can see amazing ronaldinho goals uh, anywhere anywhere there are so many and so many moments no look past it is passing back it's it's everywhere we we were compelled i mean we we had to make something that was different from a a a, a show reel of of youtube greatest hits so we had to find a different balance we had to find a different story and you're right there are thousands of clips that aren't in the film so we had to find the moments that related to the story we were telling and there's a timeline, as you can see, that there's a timeline back and forth. And um, uh, we had to choose moments that were uh, relevant to the story we were telling at that particular time. At the same time, we had to 
try to get the audience to understand that the way he played wasn't because he was a show-off uh, or, or just because he could. We had to get them to understand this is the this is the emotional stuff that's informing the way he plays. So we tried to choose clips that would uh, illustrate that point. Yeah, I think that was really important to, uh, you know, once we knew what, what kind of story we were tracking, we pretty much used everything, including the football, not just to decorate the film, but to actually, you know, the no-look passes and the, and the lobs and the, and the back heels. They were like, he was performing. Like, it's so funny. I mean, goals are important, but, um, but, but what was important is that it was the right goal and it was done properly and it was done in a way that, that entertained the crowd. So when after that World Cup match, the crowd w- turned on him, that was way worse than losing a match. Like the the so he'd lost the love, yeah. And the and the love had sustained it. The film, you know, the film's thesis is the love had, the love from football and from the the fan the spectators of football had kind of sustained him. They were his coping mechanism for the death of his father, which was, you know, he says it was. I, I didn't get it. I just didn't. It was years later when I when I really started to understand it and then it hurt even more. And so, you know, the, 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 the use of football was very much storytelling. The part of that story you tell, you kind of have his peak years and then before the World Cup, the quarterfinals of leaving Barcelona. And you cover that in great detail. How did you decide not to end, but when he, once he goes to Milan, goes back to Brazil kind of later in his career and his post-playing career, don't cover so much so how did you obviously there's only so much time so how did you make that decision to focus on that part of his life we really wanted to talk about the barcelona years you know the barcelona years were the were the years where he climbed the fastest climbed the highest and fell the furthest and so everything in the and like you'd think that would be an easy story but like you have to pull from before that to get to understand that. So, but that's really the real timeline of the film, Stuart, is um, is that, isn't it? The timeline of the film, like in a way, the present tense of the film, kind of, is the uh, the Barcelona years. You know, the up, the parabola, the up, then the down, and everything else in uh, the the childhood, and then even the years after, kind of feed back to that period. Um, the ending really is is a slightly different arc which is to do with, which is a much more personal art, which is, um, you know, he's, he recreated, you know, we feel as though he recreated the kind of Garden of Eden of his childhood. But now he was the father. And, um, you know, it makes me weep. Think, I mean, I'm almost crying. I almost cry every time I see that because, um, you know, when the boy says, uh, I always played him in, when I was playing video games because, he was always the best. And it's just such a great moment. So there's this other kind of dramatic arc, which is really him growing up, graduating, you know, to being an adult. Something which kind of tied it together, I guess, was the the music as well, which um, had Jake Bug, obviously a very well-known artist, um, coming in to help with that. Was that something you always thought would be key to the documentary? Um, and also getting someone on board who's so well-known as well. It came through the back door, if you like. It was one of those nice serendipitous moments. The music supervisor on this, a guy called Keith Armstrong, we've worked with for many, many years, um, uh, from back in the days when he, he managed Prefab Sprout. Um, and uh, he'd music supervised a couple of previous films for Andrew. 
And we wanted him to be the music supervisor on this. And Keith just happens now to, to manage Jake. He spoke with Jake. Jake's a huge football fan, a big Notts County fan. He's a huge football fan. Uh, he was interested in, in, in getting into, you know, scoring for films. You know, a lot of the musicians are doing that, uh, doing uh, Johnny Greenwood, Radiohead. He's, he's done like four films this year. Um, he was interested in it. So he, he was happy to uh, come in, learn, learn on the job, as it were, and just keep going. And he, and it was locked down as well. So he couldn't go out touring. So it was a great project for him. And we really reaped the benefits of, uh, of his dedication and enthusiasm. And we, we literally watched him go from writing some pop songs and he can write great pop songs. Uh, he wrote some pop songs and he managed to, in that space of time, learn how to change from being a, a pop song writer to an emotional score writer. And we watched it develop um, and it was extraordinary. And uh, I think he's done, he's done an amazing job. Yeah, we're very we're very happy with with that. It's it feels very unusual, you know, not just for a soccer film, but for any film to have music that is so you know specific in a way. Part of having someone so like like Jake involved um, helps you to appeal to kind of a younger audience who maybe didn't watch Ronaldinho in his prime. Was it something which you were thinking of as you were making the the film that you needed to explain to people? how good this player once was. Like when you get older, you just assume everybody, you assume everybody knows the Beatles. You assume all these things. Like, well, of course you saw Get Back. Of course, why wouldn't you see that? But um, yeah, I was caught in a kind of curmudgeonly thinking, no, I never thought about that. I never thought that with, you know, with YouTube, I never thought that people, you know, wouldn't know there was somebody before Neymar. Yeah, the, uh, Andrew Cross, the editor with, uh, Sam Rice Edwards and they I mean I think they did a phenomenal job I mean finding the story finding the way through so a uh, great great piece of editing and storytelling I think for Andrew Cross you know documentaries are different from scripted because you you know scripted you follow the script and uh, but a documentary you've got to find it and you've got to find you know unless you have a narrator which we chose not to you've got to find people saying things that you can that you can that that follow your ideas, that explore your ideas. And um, it's really hard. Was production affected that much by both the pandemic and also Ronaldinho himself has had some quite well-publicized legal trouble in the last few years? Before March 2020, we'd kind of shot Brazil and, Bar and Barcelona, I think. And then COVID hit. And so the problem, the problem for us became working remotely with London. You know, we were only able to, I squeaked in like two weeks, I think, with the editor in London, and then the world shut down. So the next year was really difficult and kind of slow, you know, painstaking, actually. Uh, painstaking or pain giving? <laughs> um, uh, just really, um, yeah, because working remotely is not like, you know, being in there and sitting on somebody, you know, sitting right next to somebody. So it, it really killed us there. You know, the music was remote. The sound engineer was, it was really difficult to, to get things done in, in any timely way. There was a point when we saw um, Ronaldinho's um, trials and tribulations over there in Paraguay. He got banged, yeah, he got banged up in Paraguay, didn't he? He was playing, he was playing futsal in the, um, in the yard. And, and we thought, 
oh my god this is a great story but we we um you know it wasn't what we set out to do we set out to tell the barcelona story really and um uh so you know you couldn't have endless endings oh and another thing oh and then another thing yeah it looked like he kind of almost did a real life mean machine or something i think he won the football tournament in there <laughs> yeah probably earned it. the trophy was probably a live chicken or something oh it was a pig he won a pig he won a pig he won a pig yeah for being the, for being player of the tournament <laughs> kill surprise you know yeah yeah the other players must have suddenly given up i think as soon as they saw him walking in but um <laughs> well didn't somebody um, didn't Roberto Carlos turn up in a pub game the other day? Yes. Yeah. So he played in a Sunday league game, I saw. <laughs> he did, yeah. Like, like if you were the other team, you'd just go, wait a second. Like, this can't be right. Like, you just see that, you know, this is vocational. This isn't just a job. You know, you see at the end of our film, you see them playing. Like, he's built a house around a, 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 foot, a foot volley court. You know, and then when they visit their old house, the first thing they say is, oh, my God, we should have built a foot volley court here. Like they're just, you know, that's part of their Garden of Eden. Like it has music and it has some kind of football. What would be your vision of success for the documentary? Is it getting across that kind of the personality of Ronaldinho and what he's what he's gone through um, and also like creatively? And then in terms of the audience and kind of the type of people you want to reach with it, um, what would you see as a? successful journey for it we came out of this film we came out of the the, the filming process we came out of the edit we adore him i mean we, you just you just love him and i would like the audience to uh, appreciate him not just for the football skills because we know that bit's easy and we know the fifa audience the natural fifa audience is going to gravitate towards the football and, and be thrilled um to bring out a new appreciation of the, of the human being, not just of Ronnie, but also of his family, of Roberto, uh, uh, all of them, to understand their, you know, their Brazilian life and to understand that that human journey. Um, if we can open this out, Andrew referenced Senna earlier on. You know, it was one of the great films that doesn't matter if you like motor racing or not, you love the film because it was such a great human story. Um, if we can get an audience that is that aren't great football fans to appreciate the the narrative arc of his of his, certainly those years at Barcelona, um, then then I would be happy. It is remarkable to be the best in the world at something, you know, Nadal or Federer, like um, uh, Ronaldinho, Messi, like because you know I could growing up like I could barely be the best in my street at something. So to be the best in your town and the best in your county and then the best in the country and then the best in the world, it, it really, it, it's really an ex extraordinary. Like, and, um, you know, we can, maybe we, our team loses or we think they played badly, but, you know, to be a, to be a Ronaldinho, it's just the, an extraordinary journey and it makes for an extraordinary portrait study for us. You know, we, we started life as, as portrait photographers, funnily enough, all those years ago, a hundred years ago. And, um, and and in a way that film is still a portrait you know it's a portrait and it, it embraces the complexity of people and then the next thing is that messi phone phones us lionel phones us and says hey you did such a nice job 
on on my friend Ronaldinho. How about um, that's the that's the next thing. Messi adores him. I mean, just adores him. I yeah. mean, it's uh, it's fabulous. Even even now, after many years of being the best in the world, he'll say Ronnie's the best ever. He's the best in the world ever. Say thank you both um, for talking to me. It's a great film as well. I wanted to say thank if you. I haven't already. Thank um, you. You, you didn't say. It. I was <laughs> waiting. I was waiting for you to say it. <laughs> no, I loved it. It was. Um, I learnt a lot about him, which I didn't already know. I didn't know about the story with his father and a lot of the family stuff beforehand. So um, it was amazing. Yeah. Well, thank it's you. It's great just to see him laugh, isn't it? When you see him laugh on camera, you know, just see the the personality there. And he says, Gringos something gringos don't have. I love gringo, that. Gringos don't. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Broadcast Sport Podcast. If you've enjoyed it, please leave us a rating on your podcast app and subscribe to the podcast. And we'll see you next time.